This is your New Mexico government for the 2022 legislative session. Thanks for being here. I'm Kaveh Movahead. Though it may not always be front of mind for many of us anymore, we are still living in a pandemic where many people are still getting sick, being hospitalized, and sometimes dying. That has put an incredible strain on our healthcare and public health systems and the people who work in those fields. Today on YNMG, we discuss the many nursing and public health bills still in front of lawmakers with only about a day left before this session's end. KUNM public health reporter Jared Ebenrack has been following New Mexico's nursing shortage and other public health news for months and joins us today to check in at what has become the 11th hour for legislation that hasn't been passed out of committees yet. He'll tell us the state of those bills as of the time of recording, but you can track the latest developments by going to nmlegis.gov and searching by keyword under the legislation tab. YNMG is a public service of KUNM Radio and New Mexico PBS and funded by the Thornburg Foundation with the goal of helping to keep government open and accessible to all New Mexicans. Now, let's go to that talk with KUNM reporter Jared Ebenreck. You've done a lot of reporting on nursing and healthcare stresses during the COVID-19 pandemic. Can you tell us about some of the legislation you've been following that's related to nursing? I believe there were several bills, right? Yeah, there's quite a grip of them that the New Mexico Nurse Association, Nurse Practitioner Council, Nurse Midwives, and School Nurses are all behind. They address a lot of the primary longstanding concerns in New Mexico healthcare. As far as nursing goes, especially the number of nurses that New Mexico is able to produce through its educational apparatus, as well as distributing those across the rural landscape that generally lacks adequate access to health care in New Mexico. So there's a bunch of legislation. A lot of it is supported by Senator Stefanik's. Linda Siegel, lobbyist for those foreign nurse organizations, did make the point clearly about why the nurse legislation is needed. They're the people that are holding the hands of patients as they die. They're, they're ones going out and talking to the family members. And they're delivering all of the ongoing patient care that happens in the hospital. And we have known in New Mexico that we have a shortage of nurses. We've known this for years. And we really haven't done anything to address it. Some of the bills expand college nursing programs or offer student loan repayment plans. Others offer tax credits for those to stay employed in rural settings. There's a big demand to address the upstream causes of public health and more nursing. Another part of their agenda is to make sure to expand nurses at schools with the belief that school nurses are one of the primary early prevention and lifestyle models that students can follow. There's a lot of evidence to suggest that expanding school nursing is a big way to prevent diseases down the pipe. That's SB 58. The other bills around the nursing are expanding nursing programs at college, expanding nurse student repayments, and expanding rural hospital services, including staffing of nurses out there. 
One of the interesting things about the rural health care legislation that is supported by the four New Mexico nurse professional organizations is the fact that some of them depend on the idea of tax credits to incentivize rural health care professionals to stay in that community. It's not clear if they'll pass or where they're at, but it also is unclear, according to Linda Siegel, how the research bears about tax credits. They may serve as incentives to keep people that are already working in healthcare districts that are rural, but it may not serve as quite the incentive to get people to move there in order to work in clinics that we might hope it would. I'll jump in and say you say it's not clear whether they're passed. I'm going to go ahead and point out that as we're talking right now, there are only about 24 hours left in this legislative session, and we still don't have a finalized budget, which was the primary reason for the session this year. So there is a lot to do. They might just run out of time. That does seem like the case, especially since it sounded like even just Tuesday, you know, and talking with Senator Stefanix and talking with Linda Siegel via email, it sounded like there was a lot of hard work going on, but we're watching it. And I don't see any of the bills right now being discussed, but it's not really clear what ends up really happening with this nurse legislation. Okay, now there is more legislation in this session that's healthcare and public health related beyond nursing. For instance, the New Mexico Public Health Association had a loose agenda. They had their own public health day dedicated to them at the Roundhouse. What are they focused on this year? What are they asking for? Well, they do have 10 different legislative priorities listed on their website. If you go to nmpha.org, you can see that legislative agenda. Did get an email just this afternoon on this Wednesday from their contact point celebrating the passage of the Paid Family and Medical Leave Task Force legislation, the Harm Reduction Act, the Uranium Remediation, and also Early Enrollment and Access for Health Insurance, and the CEED Block grant for low-income housing motorization. Their agenda on their website is pretty expansive, yet does not cross that much over with the nurse's agenda. There's one item there, SB 67, which is expanding the school-based health clinics. The NMPHA and the nurse associations are advocating for that, but otherwise the Venn diagram of their legislative agenda does not exactly cross over. You'll see when you look at the NMPHA's agenda that it includes everything from harm reduction, which celebrated as passing, to building the School of Public Health, to the New Mexico Voting Rights Act, to a Health Security Act adoption study. That stands out to me because for New Mexicans that don't know, the Health Security Act is a universal health care plan for New Mexicans. It's an effort to figure out how that could happen. So this would then be the fourth study on this plan to try to prove that it's financially feasible and that it would help distribute access to health care and health insurance to more New Mexicans. So it looks like that is also in good standing. But again, we don't know anything until the final budget comes out. It does not do anything about New Mexican health coverage right now or change anything to universal coverage in the state. It's simply a study to do so. Otherwise, we should highlight the fact that the NMPHA did their normal pH public health at the Roundhouse. And in that session, the focus was racism as a public health crisis. And a quite an impressive list of speakers, Acting Secretary of Health David Scrace, the Deputy Secretary of Health Dr. Laura Parajon, the former Secretary of Health and now current UNM College of Public Health Dean Dr. Tracy Collins, Representatives of different New Mexican organizations, including the NMPHA itself, Con Alma, the New Mexico Alliance of Health Councils, all of these groups were there. But strikingly, 
There's nothing on the NMPHA's legislative agenda, nor that was advocated that day, that's specifically targeting racism as a public health issue or as a public health equity issue. So the entire session, while having impressive presentations about racial disparities with COVID-19, different community levels of intervention, there was not a unified legislative agenda presented in that. There was one piece of legislation pushed forward by Dean Collins for a school of public health that is supported by the New Mexico Public Health Association as well as others. But that was the only distinct piece of legislation, and that is not specifically addressing racism as a public health crisis. That said, the most moving speaker, to me of the day anyway, was Anna Rondon, the co-president-elect of NMPHA, who sort of came at public health from an indigenous perspective, pointing to the long lineage of New Mexican indigenous health practitioners, especially women health practitioners, as kind of a counterpoint to the way that we look at contemporary Western public health. I wanted to recognize that the Western Hemisphere and other indigenous peoples around the world have the longest standing health care and public health system through our medicine ways and through women healers. That sustained us for thousands of years. So we must have been doing something right. And as we see this country crumbling before our eyes, the chaotic process that we are all going through is part of the change. The words that you're hearing, the truth-telling, is also part of the healing that we need internally as well. And you listening to this beautiful call that Anna Rondon makes, we still in that day do not have a unified public health agenda around racism as a public health crisis. The Council on Racial Justice that was established in June of 2020 by the governor as an effort to recognize racism as a public health crisis That doesn't have a legislative agenda. There's not really much on its website that you can see about accomplishments. The other thing that obviously impacts this issue is when the Council of Racial Justice was established by the governor, the core members included, unfortunately, the now disgraced and under investigation representative Cheryl Williams Stapleton. So that may also have an impact on how far this council was able to push that crisis emerging last fall as the state is still struggling with the pandemic in that time. Okay, what else are you following? Another piece of legislation I'm following is just of note, since it does impact 43,000 New Mexicans with Alzheimer's disease and dementia, and the 85,000 unpaid family caregivers, as the Alzheimer's Association reports it. There is an Alzheimer's Association produced bill, one that they had a huge role, the local New Mexico chapter in writing, that would launch a pilot project of community-based and culturally appropriate outreach campaigns for Alzheimer's disease to tribal rural and underserved communities. I bring that legislation up because it's a clear example of an intervention directly designed to address racism and health equity in a major public health crisis, which is the emerging crisis of Alzheimer's and dementia. And that bill has been amended and it looks to be moving forward as a pilot project, whereas before it had had double its budget, it's now at 200,000. A lot of different things in the public health agenda, but it is a very big umbrella with it's a hard to draw all the Venn diagrams and through lines. Okay, I'd like to pivot a little bit and talk about COVID-19. We can't ignore it. We're still in a pandemic. You've been reporting on it. You were a contact tracer for the Department of Health before coming on with KUNM. You're also a student in UNM's graduate program for public health. You've seen your community devastated by loss and long-term illness due to this virus, including our fellow reporter, Taylor Velasquez, who is a COVID patient. She has, you know, thankfully recovered and doing okay. 
As you've been watching the legislative session and even the Public Health Association's agenda, you've pointed out that not only has the messaging changed, but that you just aren't seeing COVID-19 as a central figure anymore. What's happening? Yeah, it's very true. And our hearts go out to Taylor. You know, her story is is one of these terrible stories of it continuing. She still struggles with symptoms long after being infectious at this point. And it's not pretty. We know people that have been lost to it directly. And we know people who continue to test positive around us on a daily basis. So the thing that I'm observing, and I'll use the HB 40, the termination of states of emergency as an example of this, sponsored by four Republicans, one Democrat, never even got printed, probably nothing will ever come of it. But it is part of a national agenda by the GOP to confront centrist Democratic governors with limits to their public health emergency powers. As such, it would mean, in this case, had it even come to the floor, that it would limit those powers of the New Mexico governor in a public health emergency to an emergency of 90 days and for one event. So we couldn't have a rolling set of public health orders per se. It would limit it to, you've got one pandemic, you've got three months or 90 days. But it's representative of part of the national landscape of political debate as we move through an election year, in which people are challenging government's reach in public health authority, and also how much and how we talk about COVID. Strikingly to me, most of what you see at this point is an effort to move responsibility from the state to the individual. Dr. Scrace in the January 26th Department of Health update on COVID-19 said just as much, almost directly. I think the first principle of learning to live with COVID is a transition from the government telling people what to do to individuals taking personal responsibility for their own health, the health of their family, and the health of their community. What we're seeing is this battle around individual rights, government authority, and how it relates to public health crises. Furthermore, it indicates that at this point, most of us are individually responsible to manage this crisis. We should stop hoping or looking to the government to do so. That dovetails with a long line of critique within public health academia and public health practice internationally of the U.S. and New Mexican public health system as too decentralized not well-oriented towards structural interventions like racism compared to individual behavioral interventions like take your test, make sure you're vaccinated, stay home if you're sick. It's hard to talk about COVID in an election year, and it's hard to talk about how it's managed. It seems like the lead of the suffering that we started with in the pandemic is being buried in favor of we see all these problems that COVID-19 exposed. We've got money now flush from our fossil fuels and from the American Rescue Plan, the federal legislation that has distributed a lot of money. So we need to fix those upstream, those structural problems. We need to pick up these pieces and we need to move onward past the pandemic. In a look over 634 pieces of legislation, I could only find three that even had something with COVID or pandemic in the title. And those three were to pay small businesses back for businesses that have been closed or property lost due to the pandemic, a memorialization of the Los Alamos National Labs contributions to our data management, and obviously the SB16 for the distribution of home test kits has COVID-19 in the title. I make that point because 634 pieces of legislation, only three of them specifically referencing COVID or the pandemic is a metaphor for how it's being spoken about. 
We're not seeing it highlighted as the reason to act now. We're seeing it as the justification for the distribution of funds and spending to solve upstream longstanding problems while we have the monies available. There's a lot of gaps in how you address nurse pay right now, how you address overwhelmed essential workers right now, how you address things like long COVID and the eviction crisis that KUNM and the source and searchlight have all reported on. And it does not feel like it's a pandemic. It's by definition now something we live with, endemic. The few people that you know dealing with it are dealing with it individually, and each one of us has to negotiate our way forward. Jared Ebenreck from KUNM News, thank you so much for joining us today on Your New Mexico Government. We are grateful. Thank you, Kaveh, for having me. Thanks for the work that you do. That was my colleague Jared Ebenreck from KUNM. Find a link to his work on the web page for this show. It's under the news tab at KUNM.org and on NewMexicoPBS.org. Since you'll already be online, go to Twitter and follow the hashtag YNMG to get updates anytime we post something new. And don't stop there. Go ahead and subscribe to the Your New Mexico Government podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. We aren't getting a lot of email traffic, so if you're listening and you have some feedback or questions for us, don't be shy. Send an email to ynmg at kunm.org. Your New Mexico Government is a collaboration between KUNM and New Mexico PBS. A big thank you to the Thornburg Foundation for funding the project. That does it for today, but we're not done. We have more episodes coming right up, so stay with us. I'm Kaveh Movahead, and this is Your New Mexico Government.